0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter Day Takes, a special Friday release, Um, obviously I skipped Thursday, I like to get them out on Thursday if possible, I think I've done this before but I actually did this one on purpose because I wanted it to kind of lead into Independence Day weekend, kind of set the tone maybe a little bit for that, Um, talk about this country, things I love about it, anyway I'll get to that in a second. Um, a lot has happened this week though, and I won't be addressing any of it. Not like I have to necessarily. Um, but just kind of of note, Bill Cosby getting released from prison on a technicality only a lawyer could fully understand. Let's be honest. Uh, student athletes can now make money off their likeness. That was, that was an interesting one. I mean, we all knew that was coming, I think, but it's official now. And I personally am a fan of it. I think that should have been the case. I think it's crazy to think that, um, other college students uh, could have, you know branded themselves a certain way. and as long as they weren't sports athletes, they could have made plenty of money doing that, which has happened. you know, you have a lot of um, Instagram models that are in college or whatever you want to call it, that make a lot of money just for being pretty or whatever else. And if they were a college athlete, they wouldn't be able to do that. So you do kind of wonder like what's what's up with that? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense now. That has been rectified, obviously, and it's kind of nice to see. It'll be interesting how it plays out, though, uh, in long-term kind of recruiting. I think maybe what we'll see is a resurgence of USC, UCLA, and their prominence because LA just has the resources to get famous. It's just a lot easier out there, obviously. Anyway, I said I wouldn't talk about it, so I won't talk about it. So I'm done with that. And then, obviously, we're getting into 4th of July July weekend. I think um, this is a lot of people's favorite holiday. If not, it's at least top five, top three. And that's going to be the main focus for this episode. I'm going to basically do a tribute of sorts to this country, because I do absolutely love this country. Before we get into the meat of this episode, though, I wanted to give a couple shout-outs. One to a good friend of mine, Sarah, who did the new cover art. I hope you like it. Um, I think this one's going to be here to stay for a while. The last one was kind of more of a placeholder anyway. Um, I liked it, because it was kind of a change-up. It was obviously part of the rebranding, but this new one I like a lot. I like the color scheme. I, I, that's kind of what I wanted to do with my face. I didn't really like my face as a picture necessarily on the cover, but I thought it was kind of funny, so I kept it. This one uh, just is a little bit more me. I feel like personality-wise, and it looks exactly like me. the the uh, the cartoon version, right, or something, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what you would call it, the animated version or whatever. But anyway, another shout out. Um, the other day, I was I was at a party. And uh, it was kind of this backyard party, which I don't tend to really like to go to parties. Um, But the girl I've been dating, she wanted to go to this party, so we went. I was glad I did, because I got to see a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a while. And um, specifically, uh, this new friend of mine walked up to me, and he looked familiar. It's possible we've met before. We actually never established that. But uh, he comes up to me and he says, hey, uh, and I introduced myself right away. And he's like, yeah, so... I'm a religious listener of your podcast. And right away, I was just like, holy cow, that's like amazing and very, very flattering, but also humbling in a lot of ways. And it's Derek Williams. Shout out to you, my friend. It was great talking to you. And we actually talked for a while about a lot of different topics. And um, Derek, you're an interesting guy. Like I'm, I'm pretty impressed with everything that you do. And you've got your hand in a lot of different uh, buckets just, just working hard. And it was cool to talk to you and, and get your thoughts on Obviously, not just the podcast. It's not like I just want to sit there and talk about me or whatever, but just kind of whatever else is going on. And um, it was interesting to get your feedback too. I really appreciated that. And seriously, that's not something I take lightly, that people take time to actually listen to this podcast. I'm very appreciative of that. And as I said, I really am humbled by it because, um, you know, usually these episodes go anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes, even sometimes more, hour 20. I think we've hit an hour 30 before. And it's a lot of time out of someone's day or over a course of days, and the fact that you're taking the time to listen to it, that means a lot to me, and I just hope more than anything you're not doing it out of just a favor because I you know, I don't want that to be a prerequisite for being my friend, as I've said before, but uh, just that you actually, maybe some of this resonates and that you like like hearing some of the topics that I approach and talk about, but anyway, so Derek, it was great meeting you, and once again, thanks for uh, coming up and and if we had met before, which like I said, you did look familiar, but we never established that, it was good reconnecting with you. If not, it was great meeting you. Other thing I wanted to cover really quickly was that I did get some feedback, one that I wanted to share um, from a friend of mine who's been helping me on some things with the podcast, kind of mainly the meme stuff on the Instagram handle, which if you don't follow the Instagram handle, it is just at Latter Takes. And what I've started to do is kind of just send some funny clips out there with the memes that are obviously having to do with Utah, church culture, um... Yes, it does directly compete with a lot of those other ones out there like Norman memes and the Telestial Latter-day Saint or whatever that one's called. It's not really my attempt to be like them. It's more just kind of like if I'm going to have an Instagram handle that highlights the podcast, I might as well throw in some other random stuff that might be kind of funny or enjoyable. The one I'm proud of the most was a post I made with Michael Scott when he was doing that Survivor Man episode and I made an illusion about how that was like Nephi and I... I was really proud of that one because I thought that one was hilarious, but of course I did. I I came up with it. Anyway, Mike Hansen, he's been helping me a lot with this. Mike gave me his feedback, and I want to share this on the top five fathers in the Book of Mormon. His are number one, Mormon, solid pick, very, very solid pick. Um, That was one of mine as well. Number two, Lehi, left everything for a tent in the desert. I don't agree with that one necessarily. I mean, I'm sure he was a great father, but I don't know. didn't really speak to me. in ways that it obviously speaks to Mike. Alma the Elder, good one. I think I was probably a little hard on Alma the Elder. He says, the sheer faith to leave King Noah's court, sure. That doesn't necessarily have anything to do with being a father per se. But um, when Alma the Younger was touched by an angel, he remembered the words his father had taught him. That was a great point that Mike made. An effective teacher keeps going even when he suspects the listener isn't listening. So I'm sure that was an internal battle Alma the Elder had as he was witnessing his own son's debauchery. Number four for him was also Abish's dad. Um, he said that one came to mind for the same reason, and he actually knew who I was talking about right when I brought up somebody that said we wouldn't, like, maybe we don't know his name. Not that maybe, we we definitely don't know his, Abish's dad's name, but that was also on his list, which I thought was cool. And then King Lamoni's father, that was a cool one that Mike pointed out. That's another great dad because he went from, like, I'm going to defend my son because he's being indoctrinated by this fool to... I'll give you half of my kingdom if you don't hurt me, too. I will give all my sins to know thee. And so it's kind of a cool transition you see there. Obviously a very zealous person, which was something that plays out, as you see with the anti nephi Lehi's. So it was kind of that zealous... zealousy? Is that a word? I don't even know. That was very apparent with the anti nephi Lehi's, the people of Ammon. That was really also important to a lot of what they did as a people that I like to point out in the Book of Mormon, the way it mentions the word zealous and how they were zealous about keeping the commandments. I think that's a great example to all of us and how we should maybe all be a little bit more zealous. Anyway, so let's kind of get going here. Um, I want to give an introduction of who Christian Chiname is. And the reason why is because he's an old friend of mine. He comes onto the pod later on in the episode to talk about his parents who had immigrated here who are immigrants I should say emigrated from Nigeria to the States before he was born very interesting story um and it was a nice little discussion spent about 20 minutes kind of talking about that and this country and everything Uh, I met Christian my freshman year at BYU he's one of the first people I met we kind of talked about that for a second and he's an extremely nice and genuine person we happened to be in Mexico at the same time a couple months ago and um Uh, we, we've always kind of kept in touch here and there, but it was great catching up with him. We went to actually go see BYU basketball, play the first round and lose to UCLA, um, while we were at a Buffalo Wild Wings in Mexico and Cancun of all places. Um, and I know Buffalo Wild Wings sounds weird, but we just knew there'd be TVs there. We knew they'd play the BYU game. So that's why we were there and we had a good time and it was great catching up with Christian. Great guy, great memory, doing great things out in New York, working in finance, Um, and as I said, I wanted to dedicate this pod, this specific podcast episode to America. And with that, that means I'll be getting into stories about my own grandparents who are immigrants as well. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and get this started. Hope you guys have had a great week and I hope y'all are looking forward to the weekend to celebrate Independence Day. Kind of cool you get Saturday, Sunday, and Monday because most companies are recognizing it on Monday to celebrate, so... Take advantage, everyone. Don't do anything too crazy, but definitely show your love for this wonderful, amazing country.
1: Mormons are my favorite. They're my favorite. Yeah, okay. They're absolutely yeah. my favorite. All Mormons are nutty Mormons. Mormons are the nicest cult of all time. Beautiful, and these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. Just being a Mormon's nutty. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the best cult. My favorite religion is Mormons. They're the nicest people. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints.
0: So, as I said, I wanted to give kind of a shout out to my own grandparents. So, here we are. Let's talk about my immigrant grandparents. I've talked about them with a lot of different people, so excuse me if this is a repeat to a lot of you, but I still think you might enjoy this. But at the risk of sounding like... Like an oversimplification, without going into too much detail, it seems like there are essentially two types of people in this world. Those that believe they're in control of their lives and those that don't. And it seems like there's a correlation with the former and loving one's circumstances, which extends all the way to things like country, etc. Right? Gratitude in general. My immigrant grandparents were great examples of that. They both died within the past few years within about a year of each other, made it into their 90s. Both of them had grown up in extreme poverty and both worked extremely hard to not just get to this country, but to thrive and give me specifically and my siblings and my parents unbelievable opportunity compared to what they had growing up. Unfortunately, I'm not quite as familiar with my grandma's upbringing, and that's something I need to familiarize myself and can because she actually has written about it and published some books on it. And I'm not as familiar with hers as I am with my grandpa's, which I also should be more familiar with his. But I do know sufficiently enough to give me the enlightenment necessary to be grateful, that's for sure. And it has really been a nice motivator at times, especially when I needed it, when I felt a little bit down, depressed, or whatever. I just need to think and be like, I have so much by comparison. And especially when I think about the sacrifices they made to get me where I'm at and to just get me to start basically... I think we've heard before kind of the saying is, you know, we've started, we started on third base, right? Like it wasn't that we were starting from home plate up to bat, like a lot of us started second, third base based off the sacrifices our ancestors have made. And that's obviously not uh, 100% applicable to everybody, but it is to a lot of us. Anyway, quick overview of my grandma's upbringing is that she was born in Orleans, France, So, if you want to say that like a French person, it would be Orléans. And that's a yes, that is the name where the name, same name that New Orleans got their, their name from. Same place, I should say. 1924, I believe. And she had an extremely abusive father, physically and emotionally. Somehow, in all that, they found the church before they headed out to Argentina, Buenos Aires specifically, as it was pre World War II and there was a growing unrest in Europe. A lot of political turmoil going on, as we're aware. And it was in Buenos Aires that my grandma, her younger sister, and their wonderful mother, my great grandma, decided to leave their abusive father in the middle of the day and never see him again. And subsequently, embraced extreme poverty for the rest of their teenage years. They really did have to leave him. He became increasingly uh, alcoholic, and with that, would specifically beat my grandma. Um, and it was it was very ugly, an ugly situation that they were in. My grandma actually relayed a story later in her life about how grateful she was able to conserve half of a boiled potato with salt water at a perfect ratio of both potato and salt water as she ate it until neither were left. No kidding. She talked about that. She said those were that's like what she looked forward to doing. Like that was their meal and she'd be like, you know, if you did it just right with a little bit of potato and a little bit of salt water, it was perfect because they'd both finish right at the same time. And she relayed the story not as a way of, like, lamenting her upbringing. She relayed the story of, like, that was just how it was. That's how she saw it. She was, no joke, one of the happiest, nicest people I've ever met in my life. She was the sweetest woman in the world. And I know a lot of people say that about their grandparents, but I don't. But I definitely say it about my grandma. She really was. My French grandma was the sweetest woman I've ever met in my life. She always had a happy, positive attitude about everything. And she had a lot of reasons to be Henri. And ungrateful for the life that she had been given. But she made a lot of it. And she worked very hard. She did eventually make it to the States to go to school to BYU after serving in Uruguay as the first sister missionary to be called there. No joke, she did actually have to wait a couple weeks in the mission office before her companion was able to join her there. At BYU is where she met my grandma who had or grandpa, excuse me, who has just as impressive as a story. Honestly, it's like they're not worth comparing because they're both Really interesting and really, really amazing. My grandpa grew up in a big family in northern Mexico. And just to clarify, that's not the Mormon colonies, as a lot of people assume. Because besides the fact that I tan fairly easily, I look just as white as the next white boy. My blue eyes probably go a long way in that regard. But anyway, it's not the colonies, not the Mormon colonies. He was actually Mexico, Mexican Mexico. Anyway, he would often go to bed hungry at night. Um, I give a little story, uh, a little anecdotal story with uh, later on in the podcast episode with my friend Christian. I talk about kind of an experience he had with his own brother and helping him out when they were younger. And it was being hung- it was going to bed hungry at night that really informed how he treated us as grandkids. It was very apparent. He always wanted to make sure that we were not only fed wherever we went. He loved going to buffets, loved buffets, like hometown buffet, check around. He was all about it. He didn't care the quality of food at all. That didn't matter to him. He just wanted the best bang for his buck. He didn't ever want anyone to be hungry. But then also along with that, he he wanted to make sure we had sugar whenever we wanted it. So I have him to thank for my sweet tooth because I do sure have a big one. Um, but however, that unfortunately, you know, that sugar did come mostly in the form of Mexican candy and that never really hit the spot as a kid growing up, I'll be honest. Now, later on in my mission, it kind of did a little bit more like that that chili sugar concoction thing that they do, sometimes I legit miss that taste. I don't get it either, but it happens. Anyway, I did want to kind of go in a little bit more depth with my grandpa because my sister-in-law actually found a story that our grandpa wrote that was published in the Ensign, written in 1985 as a tribute to President Spencer W. Kimball shortly after his death. This story highlights the type of challenges my grandpa faced even after making it to this country as a student at BYU. This little uh, tidbit that he wrote, this story, is is titled, I Wonder How He Knew. And I'm just going to read it firsthand, his words. So, as I speak, this is his writing. Many people in and out of the church can tell of his Christ-like love and concern. For Dr. Arturo de Hoyos, if you're going to say it like a Mexican or with a Spanish accent, now a faculty member at Brigham University, President Kimball is a very special man. So that was kind of the lead-in to this article. And this, these are his actual words. In the winter of 1947, I was a freshman at BYU and had come to school from Mexico after I finished a full-time mission. My roommate, Alfonso Rodriguez, also from Mexico, was also a returned missionary. We had found a room on the back of a house which had no heat other than a gas stove and no refrigerator. The snow was a new experience to us. Apart from a few small problems like not having winter clothing, not knowing English, and other such minor details, we were full of enthusiasm and were enjoying being at BYU. We were making adjustments to save money for books. We had decided to eat only when absolutely necessary. This particular Sunday, we had gotten up early. Among other things, we had been discussing the best way to go about defrosting some chocolate milk in a carton, which we had left outside on the windowsill. It had frozen during the night. As it was the only food we had, all the alternatives had to including had to include saving the milk. As we considered the matter, we even thought of fasting again, and perhaps leaving the milk for Monday, which would get us one day closer to our next part-time paycheck late in the week. But we were not discouraged. True, we were kind of getting thin, but we were still very happy to be alive and at BYU. We also reasoned that there were spiritual compensations. We figured that we had fasted enough that semester to cast off any type of bad spirit we might encounter. As we were considering what to do with our frozen milk, we heard a knock on the door. I opened the door and the visitor said, "Hi boys. I'm on my way to state conference in San Pete County, and I thought I would stop and say hello and see how you were getting along." As he spoke, a thousand thoughts went running through my mind, most of them in Spanish. Shall I ask him to come in? No, the room isn't very nice. Buenos dias. I wonder why he is here. How do you do? Perhaps we should invite him to have breakfast with us. Frozen chocolate milk for three? How did he know we were here? An apostle of the Lord in our room? Finally I said, Come in, Brother Kimball. He came in and shook hands, and somehow we never felt embarrassed. Alfonso said something like, We are fine and happy. We just looked at him and said, Little, and as I remember, we did not even invite him to sit down. But from the beginning, he had made us feel at ease. As he talked, he looked at us with that marvelous look of his that always conveys peace, concern, care, joy of life, complete knowledge of suffering, unselfishness, a deep desire to do good, and plain, simple love. Your mission president told me you were in Provo, he said, and the other day I called the university to find out where you lived. The previous June, during mission conference in Mexico City, when Alfonso and I had been released from our two years of service, he, Spencer W. Kimball, Had been the visiting authority, and he had remembered us. He called to find our address and had stopped to see us, and now he was in our room visiting us. He did not stay long, but it was long enough to lift our spirits up in a way that we would be impossible to forget. And not only our spirits, for as he left and shook hands with us, I found a twenty-dollar bill in mine. "God bless you," he said. "Let me know how you get along." Alphonse and I stood in the middle of our room. We did not say much for a long time. I opened my hand and showed him the twenty dollars. I wonder how he knew, I said, just to say something. He is the prophet of the Lord, Alfonso said, and he knows. Anyway, so that's the story. Um obviously it's a tribute to President Kimball and just kind of how he was a true prophet of, of God and his effect that he his personal effect that he had on my grandpa's life. But I look at that story and I think my grandpa really was an amazing man. He really uh, did some, he, he, he got through some pretty hard times, pretty hard struggles. I remember specifically actually, well, I, like another story he had told me, I remember this was a personal story he had told me, I'm sure he told it before to others, but um, he would do whatever he could to make ends meet. Um, and he had told me one time, he was, as a graduate student, um, he still had to work any job he could get. And one of the jobs was as a custodian for a building. And as a graduate student, you do a lot of teaching sometimes. And that's what he wanted to be. He, wanted to be, he eventually became a professor and after he got his PhD at Michigan State University, I believe. Um, he had, uh, in his master's program at BYU, cleaning up a building and had seen one of his own students. One of his own students had witnessed him as a custodian. And he said that was pretty tough because, you know, usually you're kind of seen as an authoritative figure. Not to say that custodians and janitors should be looked down upon by any means, but there's no question in our society that they're viewed as lesser positions, lesser jobs in the the pecking order. And um, he had even said when he told me that story that it was kind of tough. That was one of the harder times that he had um, at his time at BYU. Uh, which is interesting, and it just goes to show that his humility—like, really—he conveyed a lot of humility in uh, throughout that whole process, at, you know, just in his upbringing in Mexico, and then that seeped over to BYU, and he gave my mom and her her two sisters, and obviously me and all my siblings, my seven siblings. There's eight of us in our family—an amazing opportunity in this country, and. It really is to convey his love for this country, because what he sought here was not just freedom, but freedom to work as hard as he wanted, and the right to be able to reap the benefits of that work as much as possible. I looked it up too. Um, Twenty dollars in 1947 equates to just under 250 dollars in today in today's money, so around 240, I believe, which you know goes a pretty long way, especially for college students and. Um, so that must have been a huge blessing for them. And uh, and yeah, as much as I'm talking about my grandpa here, it really is cool to hear that story about a prophet of God before he was even prophet. But anyway, I guess he was an apostle, so technically he was still a prophet, prophecy or revelator, all that stuff. Anyway, I, I just shared that. I wanted to share these stories about my grandparents because um, I want to highlight the tremendous opportunity that comes with being a citizen of this country and how grateful I am for those opportunities. And I know it's easy to kind of get hung up on the idea that why were we so blessed to be born in the best country in the world? And we can kind of start to think, what is it that we did to deserve this? Was there's you know, some people are like equated to the, whatever we did in the pre-earth life, which I don't really believe in, but I mean, I believe in pre-earth life, but not that necessarily there were roles, specific roles that were played, or maybe there were, but anyway, I don't really want to get into those weeds. It's more... A lot of times we question that. We question our blessings. Why did we receive this? Why did we receive that? And I don't think that's really the right way to go. And I'm probably about to sound a little preachy here, and I'm sorry, but this is something I've reflected on personally because I've struggled with this as well. Why have I been so fortunate to be born in this country? Why have I been so fortunate to be born in this church, which I believe to be the true church? And it's really not important necessarily to ask why. It's important to ask how and what to do with these blessings. How do we utilize these blessings for the benefit of others? So that's a question I ask myself in this process is how do I take advantage of these blessings not just for my own good but for the betterment of everybody around me? So anyway, that I leave with you because this country really is amazing. I love it so much. I hope everybody feels similarly to me because a a sentiment of gratitude can never do you wrong. That I promise. And I hope... There's a lot of gratitude conveyed this weekend for all those who have suffered and died for our country to maintain these freedoms, even with as much turmoil as going on in our own country and kind of all the ridiculous fighting that surrounds it and whatever else. But let's focus in on for once what this country really is about, what it was founded for, and it was founded for the freedom of God's children so that his children could push forward truth and service and love. So there's me in my soapbox getting preachy as I end here. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And with that, I'll go ahead and get the interview going with Christian. Rock-flag and eagle! All right. Joining us today, we have a... An old friend of mine, one of the first friends outside of my roommate at BYU who I had known since sixth grade, whatever, we don't care about him. Um, One of the first people I ever met at BYU in my freshman ward, Christian Chiname, also known by Chris, Um, joining us today from New York, technically New Jersey or are you in New York, like proper New York? New York, I'm originally from Jersey though. Emerging from Jersey, yeah, I knew that. Okay, but you're working in New York, managing a hedge fund, right?
1: Uh, private equity fund, yes, yeah.
0: Sorry, I'm a little all over the place, but I didn't look up your LinkedIn yet, dude, sorry. Right. But, <laughs> um, we've kept in touch intermittently. I mean, I saw you all around BYU campus regularly, but um, I wanted to bring you on specifically to talk because I there's something that I was thinking a lot about as we kind of go into Independence Day, kind of that idea of, countries all that stuff celebrating the birth of a nation and i'm pretty sure you had known this one let me just tout this real quick you have one of the best memories i've ever seen you you are very good at remembering details about people and like citing them back like kind of casually like it's not like you're trying to prove anything you're just like oh yeah like how so-and-so i remember we were in because we happened to cross paths in mexico a couple months ago yeah
1: that was awesome.
0: Yeah. We went and got we went and got dinner, and then watched our Cougs get freaking owned. Lose in uh. That would have been the first round of the NCAA tournament, right? Game. it was the first game. Yeah, freaking, yeah, got worked over by Michigan State. Or sorry, not Michigan State. UCLA, UCLA beat Michigan State to play us. But anyway, um. But it was good catching up with you, and you were like bringing up stuff that like we would have talked about from freshman year. That, like, I would have told you something about like my family, like or a member of my family, and you're like, bringing it up back when the animals. It's so impressive. Um, so that's always something I've remembered about you, and I've always appreciated and wish I had, obviously. But anyway, I wanted to talk to you because um, I remember your parents came with you to campus that like for the first few days at BYU. Don't oh, don't even remind yeah. me. I
1: still remember. I still remember.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, both of them. Uh, emigrated from Africa right from Nigeria yeah Nigeria specifically and so your dad comes in with this awesome strong Nigerian accent and it was just like where is the church where is the church <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right that's right um super nice like awesome you came with your little sisters I remember and it just like it was it was very memorable for all of us at BYU that first year because it was like hey this is cool to see. And the reason why I wanted to bring you on was because I kind of wanted to get, I I actually haven't heard a lot of the details and I don't plan on taking too much of your time or anything, which by the way, thank you for coming on in the first place. Um, I want to hear kind of a little bit more about your parents' story because I can relate to that to some degree, right? It's not exactly one generation removed, it's two with my grandparents and I don't know if you remember this, but my grandparents, like my grandpa grew up in Mexico, my grandma grew up in France and they both eventually made it to the US, met at BYU, all that stuff and it, it was quite the story because they had crazy upbringings and like really hard times where they lived respectfully anyway i want to kind of and that's something i'm actually sharing in this episode as well but just on my own i want to hear kind of your experience you i mean you were obviously born here and everything and just being born in the united states but having parents from another country like what has that been like and and how have you evolved and everything
1: yeah that's um thank you so much for bringing that up it's really funny you say that because as we're talking about uh, this weekend and a, a time of 4th of July, which you know is about Independence Day. Um, the reason why some of my family came over here was because of that, actually. It was because of like a little bit of p- some political unrest going on. Um, it kind of all started, uh, I guess you'd say like in the sixties, sixties and seventies, um, Nigeria was going through like a, a very big, like, you know, um, I guess you say uh, political time and, and, um, Turmoil and all that stuff. Oh, Turmoil. Was, they called it the, the Biafran War, and so right after that time, like about a couple of years after that, my family just kind of my mom's side of them. They, they knew it was kind of like time for them to, to come to get out of here. But um, even but before she she had left, my my parents they kind of knew each other back there back in Nigeria, and so um, and my dad was trying to get out um with his family as well. They were they were, uh, and so that, that was like you know going you can say i guess a hit to their their freedom and, and their and their the things that were happening to them and so um they they then you know came here for an opportunity and it was just it was something really great because you know obviously both of them already knowing each other and you know having that relationship and bringing that here and now having four children and they have a grand grandson i'm, a, I'm an uncle and it, it's it's just oh great, you know you know parents, you know, doctor, lawyer, my sister's in medical field as well. My other sister, she's doing great things. My brother, um, you know, did some service. And, and it's been, it's really been really cool to see like my family grow from like this, these two little people that were really young, came, you know, did school, then came here, did more school. And um my I'm really grateful for my parents and even my grand, grandparents were making decisions too. Uh, you know, from like my my on my mom on my dad's side to let their kids go and to to find a better um opportunities to you know because they knew it was gonna be really dangerous being in that country for my grandmother on my mom's side to being that you know that um i guess you'd say that matriarch or that you know being that uh i guess you'd say uh pioneer (laughs) to to gather all the kids and just you know hop you know hop on over across the waters and 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 come straight over here like you know she she herself was um my on my mom's side my grandmother was um her husband who already passed you know and, and that was through the uh the war and so she took on you know her responsibility yeah, with her and her oldest son which was my uncle well my little old uncle to to come all, all the way over here and they just kind of took the whole battalion and swung all over here but um um uh, that Those are the things that I, I always think about when it comes time to like, you know, even Memorial Day or Labor Day or like these times of like the people that I'm grateful for, like, you know, and the stories of how things come together. I'm just like so grateful to hear. Oh, and that's the thing. That's why I like hearing other people's stories. I love hearing stories about you and your grandparents. And, you know, like, um, yeah, and that, like that I guess that's a little bit about me.
0: Well, man, that's awesome. But you mentioned kind of something that I wanted to clarify. You, so your grandpa died in the war in Nigeria.
1: Yeah, my my, my
0: mom's father. Wow. Oh, that's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that's like in a in a fight, like battling it out, or was it other circumstances?
1: Biafra yeah, War was a a war between you know, the um, the Hausas and the and the Ebos, and um, it was just a lot of things going on. And so he was, you know, fighting for the EBOs, and he was there and he was in the war. He, he went to go fight. And um, yeah, he didn't make it back. And
0: so. Gotcha. What I love about this experience that your family had was that, I mean, so you, you had said it sounded like your parents both went to like got their bachelor's, at least in Nigeria and then came to the United States and then got further schooling, like in grad school and things like that. Um, that wasn't what's amazing is that it didn't end there You're, your parents obviously stressed education to all their kids and as you noted like they're all very successful um, how has their experience in growing up in Nigeria kind of shaped how you see things living in this country and not really being able to exactly have experienced what they did but in, in some senses like being grateful that you didn't have to go what they went through um,
1: I saw something the other day that says like no no one works harder than um, than someone that's seen their own parents struggle and I and I've seen it so much because mind you like my dad like he he not only did undergrad but he went to law school back in Nigeria like you know and he was like a, a full blown lawyer there and then he came here tried to take the whole you know tried to take the bar and like you know with that they had to do more schooling so he went and did it and so. And, and that process wasn't the you know as I said as I spurred out in ten seconds it was a very very long process that he had here you know took a couple classes here then went to like you know another another community college that had transfer over classes then and, and did this you know while we were like you know while we were all kids you know very very young and um, and then my mom as well you know having to bounce around between different schools and and it wasn't just like it wasn't just you know an easy thing she she um, really did sacrifice for, for us. And so I, I think about those things and knowing that it's not, it's not about just, um, you know, yourself and your desires. It's like, you know, it's doing what you really, really love, like not taking no for an answer and especially knowing that education can really help. And, and it's, it's, it's always been like a thing that you, you know. And, and um, I guess growing up, we always say, it's not like when you go, it's not like if you're going to go to college or right? it's like when you go to college and what school you're going to go to and what, and um, the that you can have with getting a, a graduate degree or, and, um, and, and those are the, the things that we kind of like look forward to. And it's not, it's something that it's, it's actually great because you, you're always, you're always learning. Like that's what my, my, my parents have always taught me. Like, you know, always be learning, always be eager to learn. And, and when you can do that, you, you're, there's so many opportunities that really, really just will take you on and you have, and you have no idea. And so that's one thing that I've always been, grateful for it, to see the example of my parents like things like get pushed in their face and like so many things to impede them from being successful but they didn't stop and, and I really just like I wow I, I get like you know um just wowed sometimes you know mm-hmm. of, of their yeah. determination. like um yeah I I can't even and say like you know there was been times where we've had to like you know Um, sell our house just so we can get like you know a a loan for like school and everything and my parents were just like going for it they're like no we're gonna keep on doing this we're gonna pull out another loan we're gonna do it and because those were things were important to them so that they they can show us the important importance of like hard work and the importance and then to put food on the table you know to help us
0: absolutely is this have your parents ever expressed anything like because obviously this isn't Unprecedented in other countries, but have they expressed any type of uniqueness that they've seen in the United States that they're like this? This has been amazing because it's been able to facilitate not only our own well being, but we've able to been able to thrive or anything along those lines.
1: They've always said that. They've always
0: said that this is the
1: this is the land of opportunity, and there is there is nothing that stops you, Christian. They've told, they told me that time and time again. Like you know, Chris, you gotta you know if you whatever you want to do, you can be successful at. It. If you do, if you're a hard worker. And I've always been grateful for that. And I've, and I've seen it by that. I'm like sometimes like um, my dad will mostly say it, but my mom would just do it and then she'll show, you know, it's like, so she's more of a doer and then she shows. And then and my dad would just, you know, he'll tell me and he does it as well. That kind of backs it up.
0: And I love that. I and mean, that's where, like, that's what I see too in my, or I saw in my own grandparents. They've since passed on in the last few years, but um, they they were always very vocal about that. Just saying like, like, what they sacrificed, what they went through, was—it's easily forgotten in generations down the line, and I forget it often. I have to actively try and remind myself, kind of, the sacrifices that they went through. I mean, my my grandpa—we didn't even hear this story um, until my—we were at my grandpa's funeral. Um, and sorry, I don't mean to make this about myself, but I, it is relevant to what we're talking because about. I love to hear know. it uh his brother who we kind of had a, like an interesting relationship with near the end of their 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 years together here on earth um actually told my mom this story um, they had since kind of reconciled and it was never anything too bad like they still had a relationship it just wasn't great but they did grow up together and they grew up very close to each other and they got along very well at the time his brother had shared this with my mom at his funeral and it was that he he came up to my mom and said you know Oftentimes, when we were growing up, they grew up in Depression-era Mexico. um, And every country got hit by the Depression. And so they struggled just as much as the next person, if not even more in some regards. And he grew up with a lot of brothers and sisters. I think there were at least eight kids in that family growing up with. And he was just older than this brother. I can't remember where they both fell. They were not the oldest. They were not the youngest. But they were somewhere in the middle. And his brother had told my mom you, I don't know if you ever knew this, but oftentimes your dad would go to bed hungry because he would give me his food for dinner, make sure I ate and just, that was it. Just go to bed hungry. Like he often just made sure I would eat first. And that way we were both taken care of in his mind. And that's how they grew up together for a lot of that time. Obviously that wasn't constant. He had to eat sometimes and he did obviously, but, um, from there after just that having that struggle through that mentality of just being able to make things work he was able to go on a mission you know after they had joined the church crazy story he he claims my grandpa claims he was baptized at like the age of six or seven just because the missionaries would only come (laughs) like every few years and he made such a stink about not being baptized with his brothers that the missionaries were like fine just get this kid in the water so that's his claim which is pretty incredible if that's true but anyway um goes on a mission goes to byu and that's where just the rest of his life begins and he lived such a, an amazing life in that regard where it was along the lines of what your parents are saying, which is like nothing is impossible. Now, that's not to say this country's perfect. We know that, right? And this country is not perfect, but they certainly have made available opportunity in unprecedented ways. And, and that's what's amazing. And that's what I wanted to celebrate. And um, I, I think it keeps getting better in a lot of ways, um, even amidst all this political turmoil. But that's ultimately what I wanted to bring you on for. And I'm just curious to kind of get your last final thoughts here before we let you go. Um, what is it that you like to think of for the 4th of July and what do you like to celebrate and what's kind of your sentiment?
1: So the, the 4th of July has actually changed very much for me in the, in the meaning of it um, in a sense where I try to make sure that are we actually sharing you know these thoughts. You know, are we? Like, you know, usually when you have things of, of Christmas, Christmas is a time that people get together, they share presents. But are we sharing the, the are we sharing the meaning of Christ? You know, it's Christmas. You know, which is Christ, right. more Christ. Um, are we sharing Easter, which is you know the you know Resurrection of Christ? And so, are we sharing freedom? Are we sh- are we actually sharing what is independence? Are we are we in in everything we do, which is it's just freedom for all? You know you know, liberty and free like freedom, like it's in the, in the song, it's, you know, one nation. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So those are the things that I, I try to make sure that I'm, I'm like really being grateful for it. I'm sharing that with everyone I see like, okay, well, let's, well, let's be free. Let's be free. Let's all, let's all share this freedom and let's all, it's, it's been everything we've been talking about in these past, like, you know, couple of years, a like couple of months and, and it gets more and more, um, Kind of saddened when we think that many people still aren't free, you know. And, and the laws that we have, and I, I feel that I'm in one of the freest cities in the world, you know, a place that people can come and there's like this is like this is like the American dream, like this is places where people people everywhere. Like I I, I know many people are not going to see this. I, I have to flex this right here. I have to flex this right here. So I have something that's very special. You're gonna probably lose your you're gonna lose your your uh your marbles right here, but my my girlfriend's right outside right here. So if you can see, that's the Statue of Liberty right there. Yeah, right yeah. there's Ellis Island. Millions and millions of people came out to, through Ellis Island. Like people all over this world came through Ellis Island, and they saw that lady, the Statue of Liberty. Like obviously, it was given to us from the French from your grandmother. You know, thank thank you
0: for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And yeah.
1: It was a it was a symbol that's gonna happen again on the Fourth of July. you know we, we talk about these things. but um, people came in in boats to Ellis Island, from all over for an opportunity because they wanted to be free. And we have to keep on remembering that. but this is this is a land of the free. like we are we are here to come after opportunities we're all here together we're working together America is still a very young country very very young mm-hmm. and and it, it it does have it and that's not to say it doesn't have any history because there's a lot of history and we have to start like you know like tapping into that history and accepting that history and learning from it and 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 those are the things that i i really want to uh, just keep on remembering keep on sharing whether I share it with my friends, my family, my children. um, Yeah, those are the things that I I always think about is because, and and that's why I, I love living here. I love being able to see that statue every single day. Like, you know, we live in a free, you know, like no matter what everyone here is free, like we have to share that. We have to share that love. We have to, you know, to, I would say dissipate hate and amplify love because once we're able to do that, we can really just understand what, what freedom is understand what you know why we are free why are we free because people came before us and fought for that freedom
0: people came before us one thing i wanted to say as you were talking about that because i mean this doesn't necessarily have direct ramifications on you certainly not like direct indirectly absolutely it does um because i'm sure you're common ancestors who had suffered through slavery and things like that and I one thing that I wanted to say, and this is not to appease you, I think you know that I think you know me better that I'm not just trying to like I i don't know what it would be called stroke your ego or whatever it wouldn't be an ego thing anyway, but the Juneteenth passing that was was it was nice to see that and be like kind of this moment where you're like that is makes a lot of sense that even though in seventeen seventy six you know we had we had obviously dissented from great britain and england and and um made our own country and the the country was founded on the idea of principles but the complicated aspect of that was the fact that slavery still existed even though his historical records show you know thomas jefferson wanted to actually say something specific in the declaration of independence he had to take it out because there were a lot of people in the south that were like nope because this exactly we still want to keep our slaves and this con- contradicts that idea so That sucks, obviously, and it was terrible, and in order to maintain the country's secession from England, they had to put in specific verbiage, and that way they weren't, they were able to kind of gloss over the whole idea that not everybody is free. Juneteenth obviously uh, changed that, and it was cool that it was, that realization was made where it's like, you know, not everybody was free in this country when it was founded in 1776. Not everybody that certainly that exists now and their ancestors were not free, but they But we're all free now, and I think it's cool that we can actually look at Juneteenth and Independence Day and just kind of they they can coexist together to some degree because I would like to think that 1776 set the precedent for freedom in general. Took a while, but then we were able to free the slaves, thank goodness. And then from there it's we can look at that both together and say, Well, now they're more free, certainly. (laughs) Like freedom Freedom does exist now for everybody, but then uh, there are certain limitations that still we've had to progress through, and hopefully we keep progressing in a lot of important ways.
1: Absolutely. So, um, I it's really funny because I I thought about that um, last was it last week week before. um, (laughs) Just the the idea of Juneteenth itself, how it has been a a lot more, I guess. Trending recently because you know, you've, I, I, as you said, we've had Juneteenth for for a while, but um, right, and, and but I think I feel like you know, even even me myself, I can I can say it. I didn't I did not know about Juneteenth probably up until like about almost ten years ago. It was something that you know, like it was it was introduced to me, and I was like, oh, is is that so? You know, and so many people are very much learning these things and then trying to accept these things, making it a federal holiday okay, great. That's good. But it's all about really, and as I said it, bring it back education. We can bring these things into education and learn more about it. And then we understand, okay, well, oh, wow. There were some people that actually weren't free on 4th of July. Like not everyone was. Oh my goodness. I didn't know that. And so you're, you're coming to the understanding of like, let's start to unpack and understand what's really going on. And so when you, when you have something like, like this, um, like Juneteenth, and it it really just kind of opens it up, and people start to understand like, oh wow, okay, well, this is the day that everyone really understood that so the last person, the last slave, was then free. It makes it kind of special, and it makes that under the meaning behind Juneteenth really important. And not to say that the Fourth of July is not important. The Fourth of July was very important, as we as you said. You know, we, we were able to separate, set the and tone, set the tone. Set the tone. Yeah. Yeah. kind of like put things in motion. You know, they, they always say, you know, like, there's always someone that, you know, made the path for someone else, like 4th of July, I guess, made the path for, you know, for Juneteenth. And, um, and I, and I'm, I'm grateful for all of these, these things, all these holidays. And it's about, it's really about the meaning. It's really about the meaning behind it and how we're able to come in and celebrate, celebrate it.
0: Couldn't agree more. With that, Chris, we'll go ahead and let you go. I know you're a busy man, but I cannot appreciate you more for taking the time out to, to talk to me about this because I did want to kind of make this special episode of like, you know, let's let's talk about kind of the dream of America. Like we said, she's not perfect, but she, she strives to be and she's done a lot of amazing things as a country to help people like your family, your parents specifically, and just your brothers and sisters grow together. My family, like, I'm only two generations removed from abject poverty, like extreme, like the lowest of the low. And I could not be more grateful for the sacrifice that my grandparents made and for the sacrifice that those made in this country to make it possible for my grandparents to come here and indulge in the blessings that come with all that. So anyway, little tangential, but thank you again, Chris. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it, too. Oh, definitely catch me. it would be great. <laughs> bye Sitting
0: on my table, I'm watching Because everything's changing my mind Go to a different time Oh, love I remember falling so madly There must have been magic in the valley And a rhythm in the night Because I could only Fade right out of you. If it takes time.